And we welcome you to the Thursday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. What you were just hearing was the sound of the Kenosha Pops Concert Band. And uh, this was uh, an excerpt from their CD called Far Away Places, A Passport for the Pops. And this was, uh, I believe, Craig Gall leading the band in uh, a medley from Lionel Bart's musical, Oliver. And uh, we are talking today about the Kenosha Pops Concert Band because they are about to embark on a very special season indeed, their 100th season. And so we have with us, actually, in the studio... Uh, Craig Gall, longtime uh, music director of the uh, Kenosha Pops Concert Band. And via the telephone, I'm really happy that we can also be speaking with Kathy Ripley, who uh, has been for uh, some time now the director of bands at Tremper High School uh, in Kenosha, and uh, within the last year was appointed to be uh, the Kenosha Pops Concert Band's uh, new assistant conductor. And so, uh, Kathy Ripley and Craig Gall are working together to make this centennial season of the Kenosha Pops Concert Band something extra special. It's a season that actually kicks off this Saturday, the 11th of June, with a concert at the Civil War Museum in downtown Kenosha. And then the Wednesday night concerts that everybody looks forward to, Wednesday evenings in Penoyer Park, those concerts will begin the following Wednesday. Uh, June 15th, and will run until, I think, early August. So we have a lot to talk about in terms of this upcoming season and something about the history of, of the Kenosha Pops Band. So Craig Gall, Kathy Ripley, we welcome both of you to the morning show. Thank you very much. Great to be here. And Kathy yeah. Ripley, still with us? Still with you. <laughs> so glad that we can uh, d- do this. Kathy, before we go any further, remind me about exactly when... Uh, you received the news that you were going to be the uh, assistant director of the Kenosha Pops Concert Band. I remember being with you pretty much the day you got the news, but I'm I'm not remembering exactly when that was. I believe it was at Carthage College when we were performing with the Pops Band at the holiday concert. And that's when uh, Craig approached me and said, how would you like to be the assistant director? So that's when it all began. Wow. And what timing to uh, be coming aboard uh, at this moment in the band's history, although, of course, you've been a member of the flute section of the band for quite some time, so you're not new to the band, just new to the podium. Um, Craig Gall, uh, speaking of history and connection with the band, remind our listeners and remind me of just how far back your association with the Kenosha Pops runs. I mean, when did you first uh, become associated with them? I believe I started playing with the band back in 1993. I was Kenosha uh, Washington Junior High School when it was the junior high back then was my first teaching position right out of college in 1990. And I believe John Bunick talked to me either the summer of 92 or 93 to start playing with the band, and I was a, a euphonium player in, in the euphonium section. And when John left the band... Um, Frank Germanaro took over, and he tapped me as his assistant. And so that was pretty exciting stuff. And uh, when he stepped down seven or eight years later, um, I was very strongly encouraged to stay on board and take over the conducting duties, and that miraculously was some 20 years ago. 
Wow. So this is an anniversary year for you it's as well. It's an anniversary for me. Fantastic. Kathy Ripley, uh, I know you and your husband, Jim. Jim is a, a music faculty colleague of mine at, over at Carthage. Uh, he came to Carthage, was it in uh, ooh, 2001, 2002, yeah. something like that? No, 2001, yeah, good memory. Long time ago. So uh, how soon after you moved to town, uh, were you, did you become associated with the, the Kenosha Pops Band uh, as a, a member of the flute section? Oh, goodness. Um, probably that next summer is when they probably started. Uh, I got on um, faculty at Kenosha Unified, and so that next summer, I'm pretty sure that I either subbed or somehow started playing with the Pops Band then. I've been playing, um, I've been with community bands for, since I was in high school. Um, I'm from Cedar Rapids, Iowa originally, and the Cedar Rapids Municipal Band was a really big deal, and they had a student chair in the high school uh, for the high school students. And so I was able to audition my way in, and it was such a good experience being able to sight read that music, uh, you know, the same type of deal where you have one rehearsal and then you perform. So um, I did that when I was, I think, 16. Um, and so I've always been interested in playing with community bands. So as soon as we moved here, um, I definitely wanted to be a part of, of the music scene here. Yeah, that's certainly one way to really uh, dig in uh, deep and quickly as to, uh, to become part of that wonderful band and, uh, that wonderful group. Uh, so again, we are talking with the two of you, Craig Gall and Kathy Ripley, on the eve of the Kenosha Pops Concert Band's 100th season, uh, which will begin with a concert at the Civil War Museum this uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, Craig, we should probably turn to you for a little bit of a historical long view about uh, this band and this century of music making. Uh, what can you tell us about the history of the group that you think would be interesting for our listeners to know? Well, the band was established way back in 1922. Um, it was known then as the American Legion Band and was sponsored by the Paul Herrick Post 21, our local post here of the American Legion. And the very first musical director way back then was Helmut Schaefer, and he was followed the next season by Peter Nikolai Sr. And then in 1924... The gentleman who had the longest tenure with the band, George Manupella, hmm. took over the baton, and he stuck with the band until 1961, until uh, Frank Nikolai took over. And then shortly thereafter, um, in 1967, um, Lieutenant Colonel Mark Azalina took hmm. over the band for a couple of years. And it was during that time that the name of the band ended up getting changed from the Kenosha Concert Band to the Kenosha Pops, Pops uh, Concert Band. And uh, John Bunick took over the directing duties in 1970. He directed through 1993. And then Frank Germanaro took over and uh, stayed uh, the band's director until about the 2002 season. And that's when I took over. Right. So when you started playing in the band, were they already playing in Penoyer Park? Is that basically the only home that you've had with the Kenosha Pops band? That is the only 
venue I remember, although I remember playing on portable band shells uh, on Simmons Island for the 4th of July, and then they moved us over to the Fountain is, in Navy Park. Is, is that the name of the park down there by the municipal building? Uh, uh, or or is that Veterans Park? I'm not sure. The Veterans Fountain. I I'm I'm a little foggy on that myself. Everybody knows what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, from the stories of the old timers in the band, they used to set up on the steps of the old library on Library Park, um, and held held concerts there, which is now one of the museums down there next to uh, to Ruther Central High mm. School, Old Bradford. So they used to have concerts there, and uh, but that's way, way, way before both you and and, and my times and <laughs> Kathy's too. <laughs> right, for that matter. Yeah, when I first came to Kenosha, the first time I heard the Kenosha Pops play was down by the Veterans Fountain there, uh, close to the lakefront, but mm-hmm. just north of downtown. And Kathy Sullivan, who was one of the lead singers on the Lawrence, the Lawrence Welk, Welk Show, Show, yes, was from Kenosha. <laughs> and so she was a very special guest singing with wow. the band. And I believe that was the summer that I moved here, or very shortly thereafter. And I remember thinking, this is an exciting music town. I'm really, really happy to be living and working in Kenosha and uh, felt so ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathy Ripley, I'd love to hear a little more about your own history with community bands, the fact that you grew up in Cedar Rapids where there was a wonderful uh, community band that uh, welcomed at least a few young people uh, into its ranks. What did that community band mean to the city of Cedar Rapids, for instance? Well, I think it still is really a powerful group that um, they actually play... um, on every Sunday in major parks and then on Wednesday in neighborhood parks. So, you know, the, the town, I'll never forget going to the municipal band concerts, even before I played in that group, um, because it was our, my, my older siblings had their high school band director was one of the early conductors of the group. Um, it actually started with somebody in the music world that's pretty big as uh, Martin Mailman, and he started the group. Um, and so when I play pieces that are arranged by him, it, it just brings me back full circle that, mm. you know, this the guy that, that actually started that group. Um, but anyway, the people of Cedar Rapids would, if the weather was bad, they still would be in their cars and would would honk their horn if they... You know, if they couldn't hear the applause, then they honked their horns so that the musicians knew that they were enjoying their music. Aww. So it, it, it's a pretty uh, good and big tradition that has lasted through the years. So when you are playing with, with the flute section uh, uh, with the Kenosha Pops Concert Band, does it feel like you're back in Cedar Rapids? I mean, is it kind of a deja vu experience, or are the two groups so different from one another that this feels really different? They're all similar. Um, the thing in Cedar Rapids is, you know, just like Kenosha has a, a feeling of the ethnic, you know, the, um, the Italian background. In Cedar Rapids, you have the Czech background. Mm. And so the thing with the, the Cedar Rapids Municipal Band is that they would do a polka every week. And that's just a tradition that I think they're still doing, uh, to my knowledge. But um, you know, very similar programming. You know, it's it's definitely 
um, those pieces that are, you know, interesting to all of the to all of the people. It's it's not the heavy music. It's definitely the the pop stuff that you put together in a you know the the pieces that you you have a little snippet of this tune and a little snippet of this tune and um you know just those marches marches are a huge part i think of all community bands um not easy to play marches but um it's really those really help the the performers to learn how to get around on their instruments and to read really well Hmm. but i think that's just a staple of all community bands and i was so glad you said what you did Kathy, about how it was a wonderful experience for you as a young person, maybe back in high school, to be in a community band, which unlike the typical high school band where you're rehearsing various pieces for weeks on end, uh, in in the most community bands, you rehearse something essentially once. I mean, you have one rehearsal for the concert that's coming up just a few days later, and that's a certain kind of gauntlet that's... uh, probably a little bit of a shock to the typical young musician. Oh, well, and we have a policy that, you know, the kids need to have graduated from high school and have played in band. Um, And that's a really good thing to do, because I remember when I was, even though I made the audition back in high school, um, I'll never forget all these people had been playing for years, and they knew the repertoire, and they played so well, and I just wanted to get through a concert where I didn't make any mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Craig Gall, tell us something about the personnel who typically are seated on the stage of the Panoya Park band shell. I mean, what kind of musicians comprise the group? We have every possible walk of life seated on the stage on Wednesday nights. Um, we certainly have area band directors uh, from the Racine and the Kenosha communities. Um, We have accountants. We have uh, construction workers. We we have metal workers. We have all kinds of people. Uh, We have bakers. Bakers. (laughs) All right. Yes, we have bakers. (laughs) And that's the neat thing about community bands is it's it's just this mix of so many backgrounds. We have kids right out of uh, high school, as as Kathy mentioned. And I think our oldest member, oh, help me out. We celebrated his birthday at the at the Christmas concert. He turned 94 or 95. I can't remember what it was, but he still brings his trumpet every week and uh, plays along with us. So. Um, it's it. That's one of the neat things that keeps bringing me back is this neat bunch of people who happen to just get together on a Monday night, and we play through stuff. And if we have to rehearse it, we do. But come Wednesday night, we just give them the downbeat and let that band play. <laughs> and what happens happens, and we have fun fun uh, from the from the get go, from the first note of the rehearsal to the last note of the concert on Wednesdays. So I'm just curious when. When we're talking about a rehearsal that, in some respects, is mostly a run-through, I mean, I mean, where where there is not the luxury of stopping and fixing every single thing and every single piece, uh, there just isn't time for that. And and you're also, of, of course, like Kathy, a, a music educator, a band director, where the typical rehearsal is not like that. I mean, where you have a number of rehearsals in order to try to get something as polished as possible. Precisely. Yes. Yeah. So when you're on the podium for this kind of a rehearsal, 
then what kind of things are you listening for or watching for? Is it just trying to fix the train wrecks? Is it as simple as that? For the most part, that, that that's pretty much it. Um, I think the important things are getting the band through tempo changes, especially we like to play a lot of medleys, Broadway medleys, medleys from, from movies. And those are generally the hardest things to get through because of all of the tempo changes and key changes that happen throughout the course of one of these these medleys. And and that's probably one of the biggest things I try to work on and, and try to be as clear about from from the from the podium that, that just those tempos are, are accurate and that the the band feels comfortable getting through those things. For the most part this they're they're a remarkable bunch of people that they can sit down and, and just read all of this stuff on a on a Monday night and with very little rehearsing. Um you know, we're able to put this together. Mm. The uh, the important thing is if, is if you you have to be judicious. You have to pick your battles in the rehearsal. If 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 you feel something is borderline, oh, I think we're going to be able to get through that. You usually <laughs> let it go. But if 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 you're right, if there's just an absolute train wreck, we'll we'll go back and fix those types of things. But for the most part, we're able to play through most of this stuff without without too much uh, rehashing of, mm. of 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 the the trouble spots. Kathy Ripley, you're a very experienced band director, of course, for many years at Tremper High School. And I forget, where were you before that, before Tremper? I was at Lance Middle School before that. That's right. Um, do you have a whole lot of experience with this kind of rehearsal that we're talking about in the kind of the pops band format? I mean, you have experience as a player. Uh, I'm guessing maybe not quite so much experience in terms of being the person on the podium making these decisions about uh, what to fix and what to let go. Uh, yeah, I'm a newbie when it comes to this, believe it or not. So I'm excited and also a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, um, I think it's it's going to be like whenever I read through a piece with my high school band. And the only thing is that the, these um, musicians are more experienced. And so hopefully we'll be able to, to um, make it through the piece. But I am looking at it as a challenge also for me, just that I need to be really, really clear. Um, I'm So I'm actually hoping that, you know, it helps my conducting as well. Hmm. Yeah, in some, in some respects, I suppose the stakes are higher in terms of clarity because uh, if you're not clear on the podium, then it's you're just that much more likely to have problems arise, whereas... If what you're doing is as clear as possible and you have a great group, then chances are you'll make it through most of the pieces at least largely unscathed. So, Kathy brings up a great point. I think my conducting has improved exponentially over the years of doing this. Hmm. And, again, I, I think the, the, the biggest challenge are, are these, these medleys. Again, I'll touch on those again because if, if your band can't follow you through those transitions – Mm. Yeah. You're in trouble, <laughs> and and these these people just they'll they'll go over cliffs for me, <laughs> mm. and uh, it's just it's just so much fun, and and the, the the musicians make it fun, and the only thing I ask Kathy is that you save some time in rehearsal for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I hope um, you know my plan is that we get all the scores and I look, I'll do my homework and then we'll just be able to sail right through them. So that's my plan. I have have no reservations. (laughs) Hmm. For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking with Craig Gall and Kathy Ripley, 
the uh, music director and assistant conductor, respectively, of the Kenosha Pops Concert Band, which is about to embark on its centennial season, its 100th season, with a concert this Saturday afternoon at the Civil War Museum in downtown Kenosha. And then the following Wednesday night, June 15th, that begins uh, a summer season of Wednesday night concerts at the Penoyer Park Bandshell, once upon a time known as the Sesquicentennial Bandshell, because it was for Kenosha's sesquicentennial mm-hmm. that that beautiful band shell uh, was was constructed. Uh, so, Craig Gall, tell us a little bit about how the season is put together in terms of of choosing repertoire and uh, going through the the band's voluminous uh, library uh, to to put these concerts together. Voluminous is right, considering we have tunes going all the way back to the 1920s. Mm. Um, there's thousands and thousands of, of, of selections in our in our library. Uh, this is a special year. We we when Kathy and I sat down and started pounding out ideas for for what our summer season would would look like, um, we settled upon a kind of a retrospective of the band's history. So each week is going to be a different decade or a combination of decades. Hmm. Starting with the 1920s, and uh, and so as the season goes on, we'll be gradually approaching the the present. But we'll be the first concert is going to be a, a concert of music from the Roaring Twenties, and uh, that particular night is June 15th, and the Dave Brown Trio is going to be playing. So we've got some Sousa marches that were written back in the 1920s. Hmm. We have music from the Student Prince by Sigmund Romberg, which dates from the the 20s. Um, some music, some jazz music from Louis Armstrong. Um, we've got some Gershwin on that program. And uh, the big, big granddaddy piece on that program is going to be highlights from the, uh, the Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein musical Showboat. Showboat, what a biggie, which, yeah. Which, again, dates back from the 1920s. And then uh, the, uh, the next concert on June 22nd will take us through the 1930s. Uh, Lou Rugani, who is a, a mainstay here in Kenosha, will be joining us that night to sing a few old standards that date from the 1930s. We'll also be hearing music from The Wizard of Oz, some early Disney music, some Irving Berlin music from the 1930s, all kinds of neat things. Um, the week after that is a kind of a neat night because we're going to be sharing the stage with the Heartland Community Band, oh. our veteran concert attenders may remember them visiting us six or eight years ago. Um, we'll split the concert, and that'll be a concert of, from the Kenosha Pops perspective of big band music and music from the 1940s. Wow. And then after that, uh, we have a couple of patriotic concerts to get through the patriotic week. Um, but as we move on to July 13th, we're going to be combining the music of the 50s and 60s, a lot of rock and roll on that concert. Um, but... In addition, we'll be sing, uh, hearing things from Fiddler on the Roof, which mm. dates from that era. Mm. And uh, The Music Man, 76 Trombones, um, some wonderful music from Leroy Anderson, the Blue Tango. Mm. And, and you're going to be singing Moon River on that concert ah, because okay. that's when that dates from. Okay. <laughs> um, July 20th, we're going to be combining sort of a space in the final frontier theme with music from the 70s and the 80s. So a lot mm. of music from John Williams and the Star Trek, or Star Wars mu- movies, but we'll be hearing Star Trek music as well. Um, highlights from the musical Annie, um, even some 
pop and rock and roll music, music from Elton John, um, music uh, from uh, The Little Mermaid, Under the Sea, and we're even going to do the, uh, the hit song from the rock group Toto called Africa on mm. that concert. And the drummers are excited about that already. Hmm. Oh, and that and that concert is going to be extra special because we're bringing in a guest artist that evening. His name is Marty Erickson. He played tuba with us about 10 years ago. He played tuba with the United States Navy Band and was their featured soloist for 20 years. He is currently uh, the instructor of tuba up at Lawrence University. Oh. And he travels all over the world playing with every possible group you can imagine. And he plays the tuba like no one I have ever heard. He's the neatest guy, and he'll be with us on July 20th. So he'll be bringing some music that we'll be performing with him as well. And uh, that pretty much does it, except for July 27th. Um, That's our final regular concert, uh, and we're calling that Hitching Our Way to Our Second Century. So we're going to be combining music of the Wild West and the 1990s and beyond. So we're going to be be hearing music from Paint Your Wagon and uh, The Magnificent Seven. But in addition, you'll hear be hearing things from Mamma Mia and and the Captain American March and uh, You Got a Friend in Me and some of this more uh, contemporary uh, music from the last 15 or 20 years. And August 3rd is the last, last concert of the summer. And that's usually a concert of encores, audience, and band member favorites. And we just, whatever we want to have fun with that that very last night, um, that, that gets us through the season. Except for December 10th, which is the date slated for our Christmas concert at Carthage. Sounds good. So, Kathy Ripley, what determines what you end up conducting on these various concerts? Do you have uh, any whatever. say? Or uh, is it as <laughs> Craig Gall commands? <laughs> <laughs> I whatever you want me to do, Craig. I'm at your at your beck and call. <laughs> Dangerous words, but okay. <laughs> well, we try to mix it up. I, I I try to give the assistant conductor uh, at least three or four tunes to conduct on each concert in a variety of 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 styles as well. A march, a medley. Mm. Uh, so uh, just just not only to give me a rest, but to, to, to give the assistant something to, to dig into as well. And I know Kathy's going to do great with, with other, whatever comes her way. She's also bringing some music with her from Tremper ah. uh, that, that will help us get through the season as well. So obviously she'll be conducting those, those pieces. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty much set and, uh, and ready to go. Fantastic. And we haven't yet really mentioned the, the concert that's coming up this Saturday, I mean, in terms of any specifics, but I assume this concert at the Civil War Museum, uh, which is right around Flag Day, is uh, going to be uh, pretty much patriotic. It will start be patriotic. It, it will have some, it'll be a mixed bag like most of our concerts are, um, but we'll be leaning heavily toward the patriotic, and, and we have a couple of Civil War uh, medleys that, that will certainly be, be be playing and uh, as, as well as some other patriotic things but uh, it's not a heavy concert by any stretch and it's the first concert of the season only after two rehearsals with the band so we're not going to, to shoot for the moon on that concert but it'll be entertaining nonetheless and we, we hope everybody can get a chance to come down and have a have a listen on, on, on Saturday afternoon. Fantastic. Uh, I'd love to get your opinion of what the Penoyer Park band shell feels like in terms of, of as a performance space. I mean, playing in the open air is always really tricky uh, as 
something of an amateur listener as when I wander out in the audience. It sounds fantastic. Does it work well for you on the stage as musicians? For the most part, it does. Um, my dream would ha- would be a, a traditional and actual true half shell over that, that stage, which is what I grew up in mm. with being in the Port Washington City Band. Um, my folks started dragging me to Port Washington City band rehearsals when I was just a toddler. Ah. And uh, eventually I started playing with them, too, once I got into high school. And But Port Washington has this beautiful band shell that, 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 that dates back to the 1920s and is a true half shell. And I think part of our acoustical issues here in Kenosha uh, with, with the sesquicentennial band shell is that gap in the back. There is a, a, a wall. A, mm. a cement wall, but then there's a, a, a three or four foot gap between it and the roof above us, and that has a lot to do with our projection problems, getting that sound out into the audience, um, which is why you see a couple of microphones in front of the band to help mm. reinforce our, our sound. All in all, it's 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 uh, you know it's it's a decent venue, but there are some acoustical things that that could be better. But we are just thankful that we have a beautiful venue to play from. Uh, Absolutely. Here mm-hmm. on the lakefront in, in Kenosha. I mean, you can't ask for a better spot and a more beautiful setting for evening concerts. And uh, it's, uh, it was a great, great, great addition to the community when that, that, that band shell went up in 1985. Does that sound right? A little bit later than that, but because uh, I moved to town in 85, but it was... Not long thereafter, sure, in the late sure. 1980s, that, right. uh, that, that, that that went up. Kathy Ripley, what are your feelings about that band shell and the many concerts you've you've played on that stage as a member of the flute section? You know, as a musician, you can hear one another play. And so it's, it's just really very fun to play on that stage. Um, and I feel like we're able to hear each other fairly well. So... Yeah, it, it's very nice, and like Craig said, the setting, you just can't beat that. It is so. a beautiful setting and a great way to enjoy music, and uh, of course, uh, once in a while, Mother Nature does not cooperate, So, uh, and if we have uh, widespread rainfall, that can uh, lead to the cancellation of, of, a, of a concert or two, but... We're hoping Mother Nature will smile down on the centennial we season. We sure hope that doesn't happen. When that when that does happen, we try to carry some of those tunes over into future concerts. Obviously, we don't have a, 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 a rain site venue that we can send people to on nights that it rains. It's just cost prohibitive. But um, but those tunes usually either make it onto future concerts or we'll carry that theme over to the next season. There you go. And uh, for information about the, the Kenosha Pops, uh, I think you have a website, or otherwise I know you have a Facebook page. What, what's the best place to go for information? We do have a website. I'm not sure if it's up and operating yet, but uh, I think it's KenoshaPops.com, but you're you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> oh, good. I can't even tell you what the name of the Facebook page is. It's I'm, Obviously, if you look for Kenosha Pops Concert Band, you're bound to find us. Yeah, I found it pretty easily yesterday when I, when I took a look. So... One way or another, there are a lot of different ways to uh, find out information about various concerts. And again, the first one is coming up already this Saturday afternoon at the Civil War Museum. And then the following Wednesday night, June 15th, the first concert of the season in the Panoyer Park Bandshell. The concert season will end on the 3rd of August. And on the podium, leading this wonderful group uh, in its centennial season, Craig Gall and Kathy Ripley. 
My thanks to both of you uh, for being part of the morning show today and for telling the, the happy story of the Kenosha Pops concert band. Best wishes to you. Thank you, and thank you for being such a big part of our band. It's an honor and pleasure. And thank you, Kathy Ripley, for joining us as well. Thank you for having us. And to finish out this portion of WGTD's morning show, here's the Kenosha Pops Band in another excerpt from their CD called Far Away Places, A Passport for the Pops. And this is an excerpt from John Philip Sousa's wonderful march called Hands Across the Sea. Again, this is Craig Gall, music director of the Kenosha Pops Band, on the podium.